0: Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're so glad you're listening with us today. We've spent the last eight weeks learning how to become God strong. We've been discovering some everyday practices that we can develop to be spiritually stronger in our walk with Jesus. We've talked about finding regular time to study the scriptures, putting prayer into action, and expressing worship through our everyday lives and resources we've looked at the importance of solitude and finding time to separate from the noise of the world and finally pastor nicole discussed the vital importance of sharing our faith with others so that they can hear the good news of jesus today we're celebrating the conclusion of our series with a time of testimony and sharing you're going to hear from a young woman who shares how god has helped her through the struggle of addiction and pastor nicole will remind us how to carry the power of god with us in our lives let's get started today
1: I asked my friend Jamie if she would share with us today um, a testimony of what God's been doing in her life, uh, specifically during this season that we've been dealing with, with uh, the coronavirus. And so I know you'll be encouraged by the word that she's gonna share this morning. So would you just listen and lean into what she's saying?
2: I have struggled with drug addiction in the past from about seventh grade until 2016 when I decided that I needed to go to rehab. I went to a place called Hope City in Kansas City, Missouri, where the Lord encountered me and changed my life forever. I moved back to my hometown Erie about two years ago, after spending two years in Kansas City. Instead of really plugging in and making friends from church, I started making bad decisions like drinking and smoking weed, and before I knew it, it was an everyday occurrence. I kept telling myself that it wasn't that bad, and at least it's not meth, which had been the reason that I went to rehab in the first place, but I realized how bad it was every time that I tried to stop and I couldn't. I so badly wanted to reach out to a family member who knew the Lord, but I was afraid that they would be angry, so I kept my sin in darkness. This is the enemy's favorite place for your sin to be because in that place of darkness, he's the only one speaking to you about it. He's the one pestering you to keep sinning and the same one throwing shame on you when you do it and telling you, you better not tell anyone because they're going to be angry and turn away from you. As all this was happening, I entered into a relationship with someone who wasn't saved. We started sleeping together and eventually moved in together and our finances became intertwined. Our relationship made it harder for me to tell anyone what was going on because he didn't understand why what we were doing was wrong. My family members knew about my relationship, but only two people called our sin out. I say this because it's so important to hold each other accountable. While all this was going on, I left the worship team at the church that I was attending because I didn't feel right helping lead worship while I was sinning. I left the church for a while and stopped going altogether eventually. I struggled for over a year with surrendering my life. God told my sister that I was like a waxing and waning moon. I was coming closer to him and then moving away again. During that time, I started coming here to Erie first. Every week, God told me to confess and receive prayer, but I said no. I was too ashamed and embarrassed. My boyfriend ended up getting saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was still too ashamed of our sin to bring it to the light So we continued trying to stop smoking, drinking, and sleeping together on our own. We moved out from living with each other multiple times, but always ended up back in the same house together. Then the stay-at-home order started, and God asked me, What are you going to do with this time? There was no church, but my sister and brother-in-law were hosting church at their house, and I started going. One Sunday, I felt a strong pull to confess and repent. There was still a part of me that didn't want to walk away from my sin, and I was so fearful of how they might react. I thought they would be angry with me. How could I have been set free from my meth addiction and become entangled again? I couldn't hold it in anymore, and I began crying, and I confessed and repented and received prayer. The prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. On that day, I felt the grace of God, and I was set free. Over the next couple weeks, my life was set on fire. I quit smoking and drinking. I moved out of my house and back into my mom's. I cut out secular music and the things that I was watching on TV began changing. I was so convicted of my lifestyle choices. I started replacing all these things with spending time with the Lord. I started praying to God and he gave me a date to move back into my house in a month. He called me to a fast, so I did that, and I thought all of this would result in my boyfriend following suit and going after God. But I slowly realized that my plan was not God's plan. month went by, and God made it clear to me that it was time to end our relationship. This wasn't easy for me. He was the first person that I had dated that treated me kindly. We talked about marriage, and we looked at engagement rings, but being obedient to God outweighed all of that. So I did what he asked me to do. A few weeks went by and I felt fine, but then I started feeling sorry for myself. And God brought me to Philippians. Paul is in jail for preaching the gospel and he's still giving God all the glory and honor and praise. Suddenly I realized that this is not about me. Jesus died for me. He was mocked and spat on and he didn't do anything wrong. Paul said it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. That word granted, the root word comes from the same root word as gifted, joyfully gifted and empowered to suffer. We really should count our various trials as joy because they produce steadfastness. And if Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered, why wouldn't we? If you're suffering, ask God what he's teaching you. And I encourage you, if you're struggling with sin, repent right now. Don't wait. Your Father in heaven is looking down, waiting to lavish you with grace. He's slow to anger, rich in love, and good to all. Don't keep your sin in darkness. Don't be afraid to confess and repent. And if someone that you love is given to sin and compromise, it is our duty to talk to them. We need to fear God more than we fear man. There are souls at stake and we don't have any time to waste. And I just wanted to read um, a Bible verse that I have. It's Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed to the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. And for this reason it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you.
1: Wow, Jamie, thank you so much uh, for sharing such a vulnerable and powerful testimony about repentance that brought healing to her life. Um, So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take a few minutes to really respond uh, to the work that God is doing in Jamie's life and and can do in our life by taking communion. So if you got communion when you came in today, uh, get out your elements. If you didn't get communion, if you just want to raise your hand, uh, some of our staff or um, elders can help take care of that. Uh, Joel, could you grab these folks here? Thank you so much. Um, we, the communion's over underneath the underpass. We'll, we'll bring you some. Uh, I'll just wait here a minute. I wanna tell you at, before we get started to make sure everybody has them. If you're a, on staff, if you can look around, there's a lot of hands up. So if you can help me out and we'll just take a minute here and make sure everybody gets it. Um, if you are here today, And you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you believe his death on the cross and you believe his resurrection uh, from the dead. We want to invite you to participate with us um, for communion. You don't need to be a member of our church. We just want you to um, be able to have communion if you believe that Jesus died on a cross and rose again for you. Uh, We believe that Jesus came to die for every gender, every race, every culture, every age. His love reaches the depths and the vastness of all that we are, and all we have to do is trust him. And so this morning, um, as we're passing out more communion, and as you just heard Jamie's testimony, I just want to encourage you today that if you find yourself maybe in a similar situation, maybe you find yourself... Um, and different sin just tangled up that you would just take a moment even right now and just ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask him to come into your heart, be the Lord of your life. Give him full permission to give you instructions. Uh, when we take communion, it reminds us of Christ's death on the cross. In Luke 22:19, Jesus says, uh, take the bread and drink the cup in remembrance of of him. So the bread that we're gonna have here in a few moments represents Christ's body that was broken for us on the cross. And the juice represents Christ's blood poured out for us for the forgiveness of sin. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 11 26 that every time we share in the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So communion is actually a prophetic moment. We are participating in a prophetic action, a faith filled action that we believe the Lord will come back someday for his children and we will live with him forever. And so as we're taking communion, we remember the past, we remember that he died on a cross, but we also uh, look forward to the future into what we know will happen, what God has promised will happen. In 1 Corinthians, it also talks about um, examining ourselves before we take communion. And that's what Jamie was talking about, how we need to come face-to-face with our own sin so that Christ can forgive and heal us. Okay, that, that is not something that only happens when you first become a Christian. That's something that happens your entire Christian journey that you come face to face with what it is that you um, are are struggling with and and that the Lord forgives you. And so uh, I just want to take a minute. I'm going to ask Pastor Quint to play a little bit of music just quietly. And would you just take a minute, get as quiet as you can with the Lord and just say, Lord, what what am I doing that's missing the mark? What am I doing that, that I need to ask repentance for? So let's just take a minute all across this parking lot and just be quiet before the Lord and ask him. The scripture says that on the night Jesus was handed over, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and he gave thanks to God and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may eat the bread. After supper Jesus took the cup of wine and after giving thanks gave it to them and said drink this all of you this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many and for the forgiveness of sins whenever you drink it remember me you may drink the cup the blood of Christ that was shed for you Lord, today we pray that you would awaken our hearts to taste and to see that you are good. I pray as your word says that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lord, that you would forgive us of our sin, that we could repent, and that would allow you to heal us. Lord, I pray that we would honor you with our hearts. I thank you so much for the way that you are still working, that you're still changing, that you're still in the middle of all of what we're doing, Father God, I pray that our hearts would be turned toward you, that you would forgive us for the ways that we've missed the mark, forgive us for the ways that we've fallen short of your holiness. And God, today I thank you for your body that was broken for us on a cross and your blood that was shed for us so that we could live with you forever. God, we love you today. And it's in your strong name I pray, amen. If you haven't been able to see, uh, Brie has been down here painting uh, as the Spirit has been leading her. And so I wanted her to share just what God's been talking to her about her painting. She's going to share over here. If you weren't able to see it where you are um, on your way out today, you can maybe come down and take a look. Um, it's really She's a really incredible talent for the Lord. Go ahead, Brie. Uh,
3: so if you couldn't see the painting, um, I'll just tell you what it was and then I'll explain like why I felt I was supposed to paint it. So it started off just um, a skeleton, um, like dry bones, death. um, And then um, in the Bible, the spirit's depicted as a dove a lot. And so he reached up and he touched a dove and then um, he came to life. And there was muscles and and skin and he became like a real person. Um, And so in Ezekiel 37... Ezekiel's a prophet, and God's telling him to speak. He comes across a valley just full of, of dead, dry bones. Um, he said, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, um, also like an earthquake. And the bones came together, bone to bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. So they were, they were people, but they weren't alive. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, and this word for breath is ruah, it means spirit, prophesy to the spirit, son of man, and say to the spirit, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O spirit, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceeding great army." Um, And so this this chance that Jesus, that the Spirit came to breathe on these people is reminiscent of his time in creation. Um, And I believe today that that we need to hear that God's still creating new things. Like that's his character. In Genesis, when he created, that was beautiful, he created a new thing. And in Ezekiel, millennia later, he's still breathing life into people to create new things. And I believe today that God's still breathing life into us. It's still in God's nature because he doesn't change. It's still in God's nature to create new things. Um, And we're not supposed to be dead. Like when we reach out to the Spirit, we're supposed to come alive. And so if you feel like dead bones today, like know that God's still in in the business of creating new things. Um, and it's not enough to just look like people, to have skin and bones. God said that wasn't enough, and so he breathed new life into them. And so for us, I believe he's saying that like it's not enough to just look like the church. It's not enough to just do good things, but the Spirit wants to empower that with grace. Like he wants it to be more. It's not just enough to do the right thing. Like He wants to transform our heart. He wants to change us from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Um, And so that's with the Spirit. As we reach out to Him, that's what the Spirit wants to do in us. Change us from, um, we're not just supposed to go from like bad to good, but from death to life. Um, Yeah. So I believe that as we reach out to the Spirit today, like that's what He wants to do in our life.
1: You know, in Exodus 17, Moses built an altar and he called it the Lord is my banner. And the Lord is my banner in the Hebrew translation is Jehovah Nisi. Say that out loud together, Jehovah Nisi. That's the name of the Lord is my banner. Now, earlier in Exodus 17, the Amalekites attacked the Israelites, and Joshua and the Israelites were fighting against them. And Moses stood on the top of a hill with with a staff of God in his hands. And when Moses' hands were lifted, the Israelites were winning the war. But when his hands would grow tired and his arms would fall down, the enemies would start winning. And so he would watch as he would hold his hands up and they would be winning and then he would get tired and then they would start losing. And so understandably Moses grew tired and so he sat down on a stone and his friends Aaron and Hur held up his hands. And the scripture says the children of Israel gained the victory. And God then said to Moses, look, write the account of the battle on a scroll so that you'll remember. And it was then that Moses built this altar and he named it, The Lord is My Banner. That name proclaims God's leadership. That name proclaims God's protection of his people. A banner is something that identifies and unifies a particular group of people. And so the Israelites were saying, look, the Lord is my banner. It was a way of identifying themselves as the unified followers of the Lord God. Banners also function as rally points. (laughs) They put the banner in the ground and that's where the troops would rally to then go out into battle. And the altar Moses built in Exodus 17 marked the place where God intervened on behalf of his people, and he promised to utterly defeat his enemies. In the book of Song of Solomon 2, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, he has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. In the season we're in right now, we desperately need unity. We desperately need unity, no matter what opinions that we feel like we have, no matter what political opinions we have, no matter what mask wearing opinions we have, no matter what opinions we have, we desperately need unity. We need to remember that God has put a banner over us. God has put a banner over us that unifies our church, a banner that reminds us of the victory we have in Jesus, a banner that is a rally point for us. Like this is where we meet to get together, to understand the presence of God so we can go out and battle the rest of the week, right? This is a rally point. This is where we meet together. The troops are in battle. And we don't just rally over the fact that we all agree on everything. What we rally on is the fact that we believe the Lord is our protector and he defeats all our enemies and that's what Moses said in this moment so today this is what we're gonna do I felt so clearly the Lord impressed me to do this on August 9th and so I'm praying so hard that all of you participate so don't let me down okay here's what we're gonna do we are gonna build a banner we're gonna build a banner so we're reminded of Jehovah Nisi the ultimate Banner. So as you came in today, hopefully you got a piece that looks like this. They're all different colors. They have uh, uh, words on them. If you didn't get one, that's okay. We have some up here. So don't panic. We'll get you one. But the words on these ribbons are peace, grace, joy, mercy, rest, victory, and others. And during these last two songs, we're going to sing together to close up our worship service today. We are going to build a banner together. So let me tell you how it's going to work. I want you to come up if you're comfortable. You can come with your family. You can come with your house and tie your ribbon on one of these ropes here below. In fact, Pastor Danielle's going to come over here to kind of assist and show us. We're going to tie your ribbon on here. Don't worry about the word showing or whatever. Just tie it like a shoelace onto one of these ropes below me. Now, make sure you give others their space. We we created a lot of time, Pastor Quint and I, a lot of time here so we can all come up and give each other a lot of social distancing space and make sure that we're not in each other's space. We'll be safe doing it. But together, we are going to create a rally point, okay? So that every Sunday morning, or maybe even when you're driving by all over road, you'll see this banner that we're building and you'll remember that the Lord is our banner right now in the middle of all of the things that we're facing. He is our victory and he will fight for us, okay? So that's what we're gonna do. Let me pray, Pastor Danielle is down here so a few of you can come right away and then uh, you can just make your way up here. Jesus, I thank you that in that moment you spoke to Moses and you showed him your faithfulness. And so God, we remember that faithfulness We remember, Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your banner over us is love and joy and peace and mercy and victory. And God, even when it feels like we are in defeat, God, that your banner over us is victory. And so, God, today, as a church body, we create a rally point. We create a banner, Lord God. The Lord is our banner. We create it, Father God, so that we can remember your faithfulness to us. And we can know that you will see us through. You will see us through. There is hope. God, and we can be encouraged no matter what is ahead of us. Lord God, bless us. Father God, we pray as we sing this song that your blessings would go out from this place into this city, into this community, into our families who aren't here, to our neighbors, to the people that maybe need it so much. God, we pray, Father God, that you, your your Holy Spirit, your presence would go from here. We love you, Father God. We love you.
4: children and their children and their children
5: send this song with that first verse the Lord bless you and keep
0: Thank you for listening to the Erie First podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.